You like to be active. You love exercise, and you just want to make sure you're getting the most out of your time spent sweating. There's so much conflicting information about the type of exercises to do and how often to do them that it can be hard to identify the workout program that best meets your needs. All About Fitness is here to answer any questions that you may have about exercise and equipment and programs can help you achieve results in the shortest period of time. My name is Pete McCall, and I've been a fitness educator for almost 15 years. If you have any questions about exercise, don't just ask a personal trainer who may have just received his or her certification last week. Ask someone who's been training trainers since flip phones, cassette tapes, and portable CD players were all the rage. Please note that all the information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting an exercise program, please consult your physician to identify any possible risk factors that could be a potential cause of injury. All About Fitness is brought to you by Vicor Fitness. Traditional benches can restrict the range of motion of certain joints and could even cause an injury to the shoulder. The Vicor Fitness Bench has a unique design with an air bladder on top that makes lying on a bench more comfortable while at the same time being more effective in allowing shoulder range of motion. In addition, Vicor has recently launched a new TerraCore, which is a very unique, balanced, and variable training platform. If you want to challenge yourself in a way that you've never done before in your workouts, check out VicorFitness.com and the new TerraCore. I have a confession to make, and that's that I'm a recovery meathead. It's been almost seven years since my last barbell bench press. In my youth, I thought weight training was the end-all, be-all for fitness, and that yoga was nothing more than stretching with funky music. It wasn't until my early 30s that I took my first yoga class and I was blown away with how challenging it was and how good it made me feel. As I've studied anatomy and learned much more about myofascial structures in the human body and how we're designed to move, I've realized that the moves, positions, and flows in yoga really help unwind the tissues, the ligaments, the tendons, all the connective tissue that holds our body together, which can help relieve tightness, and improve oxygen flow and blood flow. That's a key component of stress because a lot of times if we have a stressful life, if we're really busy, if we're really just beating ourselves up with exercise, with work, with other things going on, that stress can manifest itself in our tissues and cause a lot of problems. One of the major benefits of yoga is that it can undo all that stress and help improve your tissue extensibility, which is the ability of the muscles to lengthen and, and shorten, as well as improving blood flow in the body. That one of the best benefits of yoga is being able to simply just be still, not be still, but just be with yourself for an hour. Breathe, move. If you've been thinking about starting a yoga program or have gotten away from regular practice, you'll really appreciate today's guest, Jessica Matthews, because we're gonna talk in depth about all the ways in which yoga can benefit your body and how you can start your own practice and how you should look for an instructor or a class level that suits your needs. Jessica has spent over 16 years in the fitness industry, including working for the American Council on Exercise. Now, a little, little side note here. Jessica and I used to work side by side to one another. And there were certain times in my job where I had to review videos, review exercise videos, and, and, and in order to approve them as education materials. And I have to admit that every now and then, watching other people exercise would put me to sleep. So it wasn't uncommon for me to, you know, kind of come to or kind of wake up a little bit and see little paper balls all over my desk that Jess has been throwing at me <laughs> to try to get me to wake up. Um, anyway, Jessica still is a contractor of the American Council on Exercise. She's helped edit and write the brand new group fitness instructor handbook. Currently, she is an assistant professor of health and exercise science 
at Miramar College in San Diego. She writes for Shape Magazine and the O Network Online. And at Miramar College, one of the reasons why we're speaking to her today is at Miramar College, she helped um, create a 200 and 500 hour, two separate programs, a 200 hour and a 500 hour program for yoga instructor training. So she really knows, she's been a longtime yoga instructor and she's really been on top of the way the industry's progressed. Currently, she's working on her doctorate, uh, her PhD program in behavioral health. I've known Jessica for almost a decade, and I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. And I think you'll get a lot out of it as well. All About Fitness is brought to you by Active Motion Bar. Move beyond your limits. Let the Active Motion Bar move you. The active resistance inside the Active Motion Bars activates muscles of the core and extremities up to 170% more than standard static fitness bars. Check out ActiveMotionBar.com. That's A-C-T-I-V MotionBar.com for more information. Active Motion Bar. Let it move you. So here today to talk with Jessica Matthews about yoga and the role that yoga plays in a well-rounded fitness program. Jessica, can you give us a little bit of information just about what you do and kind of what your background is? Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me, too. Uh, my background, I'm a professor at Miramar College, uh, also teach at Miracosta College. Currently, I am developed and have just started implementing a yoga teacher training program here on the Miramar College campus. Um, it's a 200-hour registered yoga teacher training program, so that's part of what I do. I also teach exercise science and health-based classes on the campus. Okay, so you're teaching. You guys have a fitness certificate here. It's like a one-year program for teaching students how to be fitness professionals, correct? Absolutely, so we have the one-year personal training program, we also have associate degree programs in kinesiology, and now the newest addition, the yoga teacher certificate program. That's a pretty pretty um, important thing, and I know you're, you're, I know you do a lot of other stuff, you do a lot of writing, you do a lot of blogging as well. Who do you who do, you do some writing for? Who do you blog with? Uh, I write for a few different organizations. Um, I write for the American Council on Exercise for their professional blogs and also their blogs that are geared towards the public. I also write. Interested full disclosure. That's how Jessica and I know each other. We go so way back. We go way way back. We worked <laughs> together for a number of years, but um, she's a she's a. So you, who else do you write for? I also write for Shape Magazine. Okay. Um, I've also written for some other health-based publications um, and also some different publications for all different age ranges, uh, people who have weight loss-specific goals, uh, things like Tops Magazine, also for a younger audience like Seventeen Magazine. And that's where, um, where I look at it. Where the benefit, I think, and one of, my, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is get a kind of a yin-yang um, approach to, to what I'm discussing because I want to talk about yoga. Um, I really was, I have to admit that I'm a reformed meathead. Um, you know, I used to be all weights and, and I used to look at the yoga and, and think it was just stretching. And I was very, when I first started taking yoga, I was extremely humbled and I, I enjoy the practice of it. I haven't found an instructor I like. The one instructor I did like moved on. And so I'm very particular, I guess. But I just want to, what I want to do is talk to you about the role that yoga plays in a well-rounded fitness program. Absolutely. So what's your experience as a yoga instructor? Well, and I was going to say, actually, to tell you a little bit, as you know, my background as a group fitness instructor, that's how I got my start in the fitness industry. And when I first kind of stumbled across yoga, I felt the same way, quite honestly. I was used to, I was teaching step classes, cardio kickboxing. It was a lot of, you know, go, 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 high impact, lots of sweat. And then there was this yoga thing. And it was people sitting and they were breathing and they were making audible breathing sounds. And I just didn't get it because quite honestly, even as a fitness professional, 
Very rarely did I stretch. Very rarely did I work on flexibility training at all. I will admit that now. Early in my career, it was all like cardio-based workouts and strength-based workouts. Flexibility was kind of like, if I have time. And I never worked on my balance. So yoga was very humbling for me as well because those were areas of fitness I never focused on. Though we know, as exercise physiologists, they're critical areas of importance, especially as we age. So those are the things that, you know, definitely I learned very early on, much like you, my eyes were open to yoga. And the things that I see about yoga, I mean, how it fits into a well-rounded, you know, workout routine, really we focus so much on really creating that foundation in the body for functional and effective movement. We work a lot on developing and maintaining that joint stability and mobility. We work through a lot of our primary movement patterns. We're basically preparing the body for how it works in everyday life. So I like to make that connection with my students. And that's what really, what opened my eyes to yoga, because I was, at the time I was working in Boston Mm -hmm. and um, at the Sports Club LA, um, and we built this whole beautiful new yoga center and it was right across the street from my office. And I'm like, well, I gotta start doing that because it was such a nice facility to do it. And I was going through my, my, my fellowship with Gary Gray and understanding like anatomy. And it was really what, really, what really opened my eyes to the benefits of yoga was you could feel your muscle and fascia and connective tissue unwinding. The position you put your joints in, the way you move your body, especially your hips, your thoracic spine, during some of the flows feel just really good. And especially, you know, being in an office for five, eight, 10 hours a day, seated in a seated position, you're basically unwinding and de-stressing and kind of like wringing out all the tissue or just unwinding it and putting oxygen in, in you know, lubrication in the form of water mm-hmm. into the tissue. And that's what really, what really kind of opened my eyes to it and I can see the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I found that I've only know a little bit about yoga, but I'm interested in like how many styles are there? How many techniques are there? Right. And that's the thing with yoga. You know, we use this kind of just umbrella term yoga, but really yoga in itself has so many different facets to it. You know, we could get real technical and talk like the eightfold path of yoga and all the different components that make up yoga. The one we tend to think of is the physical practice of yoga, which is one of the limbs of yoga, the asana or the poses. As far as how many styles there are of this physical practice of yoga, there are a lot. Some of the common styles, and we can talk more about, you know, what these are and, you know, what's the right fit for different people, because they do, there's some similarities and some very vast differences between them. Um, We have things like hatha yoga, which is a very broad umbrella term, kind of a, a more gentle practice. It's a great one for someone who might be new to yoga. A little bit of connection between poses, but also holding poses for a few breaths and very kind of supportive sort of practice. We have more vinyasa style classes. Those are connecting breath and movement. They move a little faster. We have certain styles like Ashtanga yoga. That's a set style of yoga, a set series of poses. It's much more athletic in nature. And then we have things like adding the element of heat. Probably people have heard of things like Bikram yoga before. And that's a set series of poses, the same 26 poses, same two breathing exercises done in a heated room. Then we have things very vastly different like Kundalini yoga. It's very spiritually focused, a lot of chanting, meditation, and breath work in addition to the physical poses. So that's just a small snippet. We could talk all day about this, but just to give you a feel for the vast array of different yoga experiences that are out there. And that's that's the one thing that, that I noticed years ago when I was working as a trainer in a gym in Washington, D.C., because yoga students would come in, the yoga teacher would be, be in the traditional group exercise studio, and it was always kind of interesting because you'd have a step class leave and the yoga students come in. But I, I saw the I saw the benefit then of just shutting down and breathing for an hour. And, you know, and that's kind of where I thought you know they turned the lights off, and, and, and that was my perception of it was kind of quiet, quieting down. 
And just now that I know more about the body, I know more about everything, I think that's one of the biggest benefits of yoga. And that's one of the things I enjoy when I take classes is the ability just to kind of, I'm not checking my phone. I'm not, you know, they might be playing some music. It's usually very relaxing. No emails. It's just, you're a chance, it's a chance to literally focus on yourself for 60 minutes. I mean, how important is that? I think it's vitally important. And I think as we as a country move towards a more holistic approach to health and wellness, we know physical activity is a part of that. But we also know that we need to focus on really having that kind of good stuff for our minds and our bodies. So that's what I love about yoga. You're getting the great benefits of physical activity in the ways we're just talking about it. But you're also getting that time to disconnect Every day in our lives, we're constantly multitasking. What yoga invites us to do is to be really present and focus on one task at a time. It sounds so simple, but it's something so many of us don't do in our day-to-day lives because we're now accustomed to always being go, go, go. Yoga, even the different styles, they all kind of ask us to stay present, focus, slow down, and just be here right now, only focused on this present moment. And then the next moment, and we keep moving on through the journey. But it's something that students are really drawn to. They love the physical side, but they love pairing it with, you know, kind of the emotional and the mental well-being that comes along with it. It's a very well-rounded, very holistic approach to health and wellness. And so that's such an important component because, and this is something I keep, I don't want to say stumbling over, but I keep running into now. Um, and that's like the whole meditation, the whole I don't want to call it spiritual, but it, it, emotional is a little bit. It's like that a whole. It's a psyche, and I think. Mm-hmm. For those of us that do this, and, and many people that when they exercise, I think a lot of people, the reason why they like exercise is it's their release. It's their chance to kind of be of themselves. I mean, how important is it for somebody to kind of be disconnected, to be unplugged, and to focus? Because I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we allow ourselves to focus only on ourselves in a healthy way. And how important is that? I think it's very important, and I think I see it more. I have a very diverse group of students here at the college. So often people here, I teach at a college, they assume all the students are college-age students, you know, 18 to 22. Uh, because I teach as a community college, our student population ranges from, you know, age 17, 18, all the way to one of my students is 83. So everywhere across that gamut, the thing that I tend to see, especially for some of my students who are a bit older, there's more responsibilities that come as we age and we go through life. You know, we have career responsibilities, we have family responsibilities, we're wearing a lot of hats, if you will, we all play a lot of roles, and it seems to be the more roles we keep playing, the further we get away from what you just mentioned, taking care of ourselves. And for my students, for them to come into class, and I see my students in most of my yoga classes two days a week, they come into class, this is their little bit of time out of their entire week to spend on them, to focus on their body, their mental well-being, you know, just to kind of slow down and, and realize in order to be the best wife I can be, husband I can be, you know, father I can be, I've got to take care of me. And that's how I can best serve and play all the different roles I play. But I need this time for myself. It's vitally important. And I think I, 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 there's a lot of benefit to just breathing. I think there's a lot of benefit to that we overlook that, that there's a lot of benefit to just breathing and allowing oxygen to flow in and allowing kind of ourselves. And for me, I know, I don't have to focus this on me, but just for example, for myself, a a 40 something meathead, the hardest part has been trying to meditate. And I've I've read so much stuff lately about the power of meditation. And and what world does meditation play? I mean, how does that tie into yoga, into the whole 
process of it. And I'm glad you bring up meditation because it always comes across as this like kind of like mystified thing. Like, you know, it's, it's a mysterious in some ways. And the way I present meditation to my students is it's focused time to be aware, to just be presently aware. So we try to, we do the best we can. It doesn't mean it's always perfect, but we try the best we can to t- turn off the things like, what do I need to pick up at the grocery store once class is over? And where are the kids need to be this afternoon? We just try to, for just a few minutes, we do this often at the start and the end of our practice. We take that focused time to work on our breath. The breathing is so central to yoga and so important. And to work on meditation. And how I explain meditation is you don't have to sit in any particular way. You don't have to have your hands in front of your chest if you don't want to do that. But just to become aware of your breath, to quiet the mind. When thoughts enter the mind, just kind of quietly inviting them to subside. They can be there for you once class is over. But meditation is just becoming a bit more aware. What's happening in your body? How does it feel today? How's your breath moving? Is it moving really freely? Does it feel very choppy? Just what's going on? Just becoming aware. That's things that often we don't do in our day. And we start and end our yoga practice that way to kind of ease into yoga from the outside world, from wherever we just came from, the roles we were playing. And we use it at the end of class as a way to kind of regroup and focus back in on ourselves. Because again, the more we take care of us, the more we can take care of the world around us. And that's where where I think it gets really powerful because especially when we look at all these other modes of exercise, it's all about expressing external energy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're lifting a weight, you're throwing a medicine ball, you're running on the ground, you're, you're, you're pedaling a bike, even swimming through water. There's all this external stuff. And it, this is just kind of coincides with other stuff that I've been reading and studying that we're really, you know, if we look at what we are, we're, we, we conduct energy. I mean, as beings, you know, to get a little metaphysical here, mm-hmm. we conduct energy. And I think that's the powerful thing that I've seen about meditation is, and I've read the physiological stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I've read some, some stuff from you know, various authors and various articles about the the power of meditation and balancing us out. And overall, how do you think people will receive that? I mean, why do you think it kind of has this little touchy-feely stigma with it? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, I think sometimes (laughs) it's, for some people, it's what gets associated with meditation. So for example, there are certain spiritual practices or certain religious practices that utilize things like meditation as a part of that practice. It doesn't mean meditation that inherently is religious or spiritual in any way. It's a tool that could be manipulated to be used in a set religious practice or spiritual practice, but it doesn't have to be. I think that's kind of a big theme in just yoga in general, because also yoga, the physical practice, is tied to certain spiritual pathways and also religious practices. So sometimes the connections made, well, oh, then inherently yoga is religious. And what we learn at the school, especially running a teacher training program here, our yoga practice, it's non-denominational. It's not associated with any particular religious practice. Should someone wish to use things like meditation, breath work in their own spiritual practice, fantastic. But what we're learning are tools that really help us to de-stress, to become more connected with ourselves. And those are things that I think span across any religion. I mean, they're things that any human being really needs so we can take the best care of ourselves holistically, whole person, not just the physical, though that's so important, but also the mental, the emotional, all the other things we've just talked about. And I think the spiritual side is, is very important. And I've studied under people who, who are very religious, but mm-hmm. they put it in a way that, that really you come into a spiritual balance. And, and the way I kind of look at it is I know there's a higher power out there and I know I'm not it. You know, and it really is. And that's one of the things I've found that yoga really allows me to do is connect with it. So what about, let's, let's kind of switch gears here a little bit. And let's talk about the benefit of mobility, mm-hmm. like the tissue mobility and joint mobility of yoga. 
<clears throat> why is that such an important why is that so important for fitness i mean i know you mentioned we all know that stretching or flexibility should be a part of fitness yet it's often the most overlooked component but why why what is the benefit of yoga in terms of mobility and, and why i mean why would people do it absolutely and i think you shared when you were sharing that story earlier on about you know <clears throat> the place where you used to work and you'd see the yoga studio when you're coming out of as many of my students do they spend many hours seated a day whether they're at a desk they're driving in a car to and from places we spend a lot of time with certain areas of the body just inherently becoming tighter and tighter or areas becoming weaker and weaker because of just the patterns the movement the movement the play placement of our body, I should say, that we do all day long. It's those repetitive movement patterns, that repetitive positioning of the body that creates sort of dysfunction throughout the body. And it starts to affect our ability to do the things that we enjoy doing. Basic self-care stuff all the way to doing, you know, leisure activities, things we want to do with our friends and family or for ourselves. So I think for yoga, a big part, because we do focus so much on creating mobility, especially in very key areas of the body, the areas that are designed to be really mobile. Key one is the hips. Anyone who's been to a yoga class knows we spend some time really working on that area of the body because it's chronically tight for so many people. And we know just for everything from facilitating our ability to walk efficiently, to be able to do all the different activities we want to do, we need to have good mobility in those areas of the body and develop more effective movement patterns. So we spend some time opening that key area of the body. We spend some time also working on mobility in the shoulder joint. Again, another very mobile area of the body that often because of just the repetitive position we're putting our body in a lot of time shoulders internally rotated we're spending a lot of time typing texting driving in a car we do a lot of opening for the chest stretching the chest and shoulders and those are again chronic areas that are tight for many people and I know you mentioned you know as, as a meathead yourself you said it so I'll put it out yeah, there yeah. Uh, I know for many of my students because I have a great mix of male and female students I think that's another misconception about yoga and a lot of my male students they also are very much into fitness they spend a lot of time lifting so they're strength training they're just so tight. So when we do things where we want to externally rotate the shoulders and open up this area of the body, it's like a whole new world for people. But that's so important, again, to facilitate good posture, good movement patterns. So we really work on those key areas of mobility. I'd say the hips, thoracic spine, another big area, a lot of twists and things we build into classes, the shoulders, and also working on the ankles. We do a lot of standing poses, a lot of different ways to build mobility in that area of the body. And, and what, the, what people, I guess, they might not realize those areas are so important because if your hips lose mobility, then your joints above or below, I mean, you have your lumbar spine above and you have your knees below. If your hips lose mobility, then the joints above and below will try to create that lost mobility. And that can lead to a lot of pain and discomfort. And and one of the things that was really, that really impressed me about yoga is the amount of when you push into the floor, whether you're pushing with your feet or whether you're pushing with your hands, mm-hmm. that is a form of flexibility. I think there's this whole misperception about flexibility being I hold a stretch. And we have, to, we have to remember there are two different components. Flexibility is a joint range of motion, and that's structural. Mm-hmm. You know, structural, the structure of a joint determines the range of motion, right? right. Yeah, and then, um, and then, but you have extensibility, and extensibility is the ability of the tissue to lengthen and shorten. And, and what's so powerful to me about yoga is the fact that when you hold certain poses, you're really, it's not so much you're manipulating the joint, but you're really trying to lengthen the tissue. Mm-hmm. And what is, you know, like, you know, what is the benefit? I mean, how is that, why, why is that such a strong or powerful benefit? Yeah, and I think that you touch on some really great things. And this is what's so nice about different styles of yoga. For example, the style of yoga I predominantly teach, I would sort of call a hybrid between vinyasa, sort of that breath synchronized movement, and hatha yoga, where we're holding poses for several breaths. We get this combination of things that are more dynamic, so things where we're taking 
taking the joints through full range of motion. We also do things that are more static. So you mentioned too, even something like holding, say, a plank position. We do that in yoga. We do a high plank up on the palms. But really one of the key things we cue is to really press into the floor. That engages the body in a much different way than just kind of being there, hanging out. Um, it's a different experience for the body. And having that combination of movement that takes us through the full range of motion, having that combination of poses we hold, what you think of as traditional stretching, if you will, and then having those poses like you mentioned where we're actively lengthening, those are such a key combination to work the body in different ways. So it's not always just go, 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 lots of flow. It's not always just passively sort of stretching and hanging out. We mix all these different kind of tools together, these different strategies, and they create a much more well-rounded approach, in my opinion, to really developing flexibility and range of motion. And and what I don't think a lot of people might realize, I mean, those, those of you that practice yoga know this, but... I was impressed, and I am impressed, when I, when I see some practitioners, their strength and the body strength required for an arm balance, for an inversion, and some of the moves that are just, I have a couple friends, there's Adina in Boston, and, and Juan in, 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 in uh, Miami, a couple of my Facebook friends that, that put various uh, videos of them doing various flows up on Facebook, and as a 40-something guy, I would much rather be able to go through that flow. I don't care about bench pressing 300 pounds anymore. I really don't. I would much, I'd be much, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather be able to go into an inversion and be able to go into a flow because I understand how much strength and rebalance and control right. that requires. And why is that such a benefit as, during the aging process? Why is that so important? Absolutely. Well, you touched on a couple of things, and that's what I think makes yoga so unique as sort of a modality of how we can improve our physical fitness because we're doing all of these things, working on flexibility, working on balance, working on muscular strength and endurance simultaneously. It all happens in one experience. It's kind of different than how we think when we you know, go to the gym and you know, we have very compartmentalized. We strength train and then we go to another area usually of the gym to stretch and work on flexibility or balance and yoga is just all happening kind of simultaneously. It's one sort of cohesive experience. So important. We know obviously as we age, if we're not doing things like training the body, building muscular strength and endurance, we know as we age, and I say as we age, I tell my college students this, a lot of the literature refers to aging starting after the age of <coughs> 25. Some say it's 30, but so it's much earlier than many yeah. of us think aging is, but we start to lose on average about a half a pound of muscle per year if we're not actively involved in some type of resistance training. It doesn't mean I have to swing a kettlebell or lift weights, but it does mean I need to challenge my body muscularly in some way. And body weight resistance is a great way to do that. And and some of the positions you put yourself in in yoga really challenge. I mean, the triceps, you know, I've never had my triceps fried before, like doing whether it's a chaturanga. <laughs> the chaturanga dandasana. You know <laughs> yeah, the those, names. You're yeah, a yoga those, teacher. <laughs> those, those, those crushed me. I mean, you know, right. it really, it was, it was, and then, you know, to do some of the holes, like with the quads, it was the chair pose or something. Chair pose. Yep. You're basically holding like a squat position. Trust me, when it humbles <laughs> you, you, you learn it very quickly. And, and that's what I think, why I think, you know, I've had one or two friends ask me, you know, what they should be doing. I'm like, try to take a yoga class. I mean, if nothing else you know, look at how you move because you move, you use your muscles. And so how do you recommend, if somebody's interested in starting a yoga practice, what should they look for? Like what they should they look for in the type of class they take and what should they look for in an instructor? Definitely. And I know you mentioned, I think right at the start of our conversation, you'd said you had this really great instructor you found and then they had moved on to somewhere else and you're kind of like, you know, you're a bit picky about your instructors. Yeah. You should be. And yeah. I love that you said that because we should be empowered, you know, as individuals who are considering basically giving our bodies to somebody else to exactly. say, hey, tell yeah. me what to do and what's going to be right to make me feel good in my body and improve my health and fitness. Um, I think one of the first things I would say is look at the different styles of yoga. 
So before we get to the teachers, what style of yoga most resonates with what your particular health and wellness goals are? So like I said, I mean, everything from yoga done in a heated environment where poses are held much longer. Is there just on that real quick, I know that's been a very big popular area. Is there, is it personally, I know as a physiologist, I have my opinion, but what's your thought as someone who teaches yoga to instructors is there a benefit to doing yoga in a heated room? Yeah, absolutely. And this is the topic. It's very interesting to me because, you know, I know you and I share a love of research. So there really has been very little, actually, quite honestly, no research done on the flexibility benefits of adding that external heat. It's kind of accepted that like, oh, when you're in a heated room and if you ever try yoga in a heated space, you'll... One time, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I don't, I don't so you, like it. Yeah. So you've tried it, but you do feel that you can move deeper into stretches with that external heat, but no one's really studied that and said with science, with, you know, peer-reviewed research, yes, this is what happens and here's why it happens. We kind of talk about it in theory. The research that has been done really looked at, is it safe to do that? And for example, ACE recently did a study looking at, in fact, is it safe? What happens in terms of, you know, kind of cardiovascularly? What happens to your heart rate when you're in a heated environment? What happens to your core body temperature? Because those are the greatest concerns. If we crank up the heat to 105 degrees, what does that do to our internal body temperature when we're also being active in that space? Well, and that's been my big concern with the hot room yoga. And what I didn't like about it was it's stressing out your thermoregulation system. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's – if there's a, if there's a caloric burn, it is negligible. Mm-hmm. You might burn a few more calories because your body is trying to thermoregulate. But the water loss, the hydration loss, and the risk of overheating, I think far outweigh you know, burning an extra maybe maybe two, three dozen, you know, 20 to 30 calories – in the course of 90 minutes. Right, and that's the thing that I think, and we touched on the 90 minutes, because when we often think of heated classes, we think of that set style of yoga, which is Bikram yoga. And that is, again, set series of poses. If you take a Bikram class in San Diego or in Miami, Florida, it will be exactly the same. That is a set kind of series of poses. The room is always heated. The classes are always 90 degree, or ninety minutes in length. Now, what was interesting in the ACE study, they looked at what happens to core body temperature over the 90 minutes because mm-hmm. they looked at Bikram yoga. The interesting thing is kind of not significant changes in core body temperature until after the 60-minute mark had passed. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's a reason I bring that up because we are seeing now more hot or heated style yoga where the classes are often kept to an hour. So... From my standpoint as an exercise physiologist, I say if someone is drawn to the heat, if that feels good for them, if that's something they want to explore, starting with maybe something a bit shorter in duration, 60 minutes, and that's per some research on what happens physiologically, but also we know it takes time to acclimate to being in the heat. So the first time you go, like you said, your experience, it's going to take the body time to be accustomed to exercising, moving in a heated space, but hydration is paramount. And without that, I mean, we do really set up the potential for some, I mean, we set up the potential for heat illness. I mean, we can yeah, have heat stroke, heat exhaustion if we're not properly hydrated and exercising in a heated space. And, and I'll make sure that the that ACE, or that ACE study that Jessica's referring to, I'll have that in the show notes. So you, I stopped you at Bikram, but what other styles of yoga are there? Yeah, other styles of yoga, and I know I mentioned some earlier. Um, people who are looking for maybe more of what I'll call a little bit more athletic or something that feels a little bit more like a workout, um, maybe interested in a vinyasa-style yoga class. That's the breath-synchronized movement. So there's a lot of flow or fluidity between postures 
posters, and some poses are also held for several breaths, so you get kind of a combination. There's also Ashtanga yoga, that's a set style of yoga, but it's much more power-based, so a lot of focus on muscular strength and endurance. That Chaturanga Dandasana you mentioned, you do that quite a few times in that series, it's style of yoga. So it's kind of aligning your goals and what you want from a yoga experience. Maybe you want it to be more relaxive, meditative. There's styles like restorative yoga. We use a lot of props. We make the postures very accessible. There's things like yin yoga. Again, using props and holding poses for longer. And it really starts to work into the muscles, connective tissue, some of the things you were mentioning before. And now what should you look for in a yoga instructor? Like what are some qualifications or what might be a question to ask the first time somebody takes a class? Absolutely. And this is the big one. As you know, I run yoga teacher training programs and have developed them at two colleges. So I feel very strongly about ensuring that when people take yoga classes, they are taking classes with qualified train. Uh, qualified teachers, I should say, that really have gone through the appropriate training. So one of the big things that we can look for in terms of a credential is that they're a registered yoga teacher, an RYT. You'll also see ERYT used, and that stands for Experienced Registered Yoga Teacher. Kind of the governing body, if you will, for yoga is Yoga Alliance. And so it's yogaalliance.org is the website. They are a registry for yoga teachers. Um, They also set the standards and guidelines for yoga teacher training programs, meaning in a program like the 200-hour yoga teacher training program that we have here on this campus, what content should be included in there. We spend X number of hours on anatomy physiology, X number of hours on learning poses, sequencing, etc. So that's kind of a way to find a teacher that you know has gone through an appropriate training process and been sort of vetted, if you will. So I would suggest that could be a great place to look for teachers in your area. You could go to yogaalliance.org and actually search for teachers by your zip code. Oh, okay. So that's a great way to do that. And you have teachers that teach at yoga studios, at fitness facilities, also people who offer one-on-one sessions. So if you want kind of that personal trainer-like experience, but with yoga really as the format or modality, there's individuals who offer that too. Well, when I worked in Boston, one of the uh, instructors at our club gave, gave private one-on-one lessons to, I won't say the name of the athlete, but he was a, he is a quarterback for a Boston area NFL team, and they would do uh, private one-on-one lessons. Now, if somebody's interested in becoming an instructor, and somebody want, you know, people, they, they're listening to this because they love yoga and they want to learn a little bit more about yoga, and somebody wants to take that step to become an instructor, what should they look for in an instructor training program? Definitely, and I'd say kind of the same things too. We want to look for a program that is Yoga Alliance approved. So again, same thing. You can search on the Yoga Alliance website and ensure that that program has gone through the process of receiving that recognition through Yoga Alliance. It's important kind of twofold. One, the curriculum has been reviewed by Yoga Alliance to ensure it includes all the appropriate kind of areas that need to be covered, the content to ensure that you'll be a competent instructor when you finish the program. But also it'll ensure that you then as an individual will be able to register as a registered yoga teacher, which means you'll be able to have that designation, which people are looking for. They want to ensure that if they're going to a yoga class, you know your stuff. So definitely looking for a Yoga Alliance approved program, super important. The other thing I'd say from there, especially for a yoga teacher training program, because it is an investment not only of your time but your money and also you know you're really this is your opportunity to really learn and immerse yourself in yoga and take your practice well it's learning the trade i mean a Absolutely. good yoga instructor is always going always going to be able to find work Absolutely. and that's what you know that's why one of the reasons why i asked that question is i want if somebody's going to do an instructor training i want to make sure they get their money's worth and that they're going to be employable because i know it's been a number of years since i managed a fitness program but yeah, that was right when yoga alliance was coming out with their all yt credential mm-hmm. i mean this is back in 06 to 08 when I worked with Millennium 
and it was it was just becoming a stop. They hadn't didn't have the RYT two hundred hour yet, and so it's good to see that. I just what I don't want to see is somebody who ha- whose heart is in the right place, who who spends hours studying, and then they walk away with some kind of credential that nobody recognizes, some certificate or piece of paper that's not approved. Right, and that's a big thing, and obviously um, implementing this program at the college, one of the things we have to show for a college certificate program is the career viability, and we have to ensure we're setting up students for success to enter the job market and to have successful careers and to be employable, as you mentioned. So definitely having the program recognized by Yoga Alliance so important so you can receive that distinction, that designation as a registered yoga teacher, uh, because that is what yoga studios, fitness facilities, they're looking for that credential, if you will. The other thing I do think is important is to look at who is running the yoga teacher training program. Mm-hmm. Who's the lead teacher or okay. lead teachers? Um, because it is something, as yoga has grown in popularity, there are many, many more yoga teacher training programs, which personally I'm excited about. But at the same time, to teach other teachers, and you know this from your work as a master trainer, it really takes a certain level of knowledge, experience, and skill set to be able to Teach yoga to just a group of people is one thing. To teach someone how to teach yoga to others is another set of skills. And so you really want to make sure you're investing in a program with someone who really does have not only the right credentials, but good experience and really also teaches a style of yoga that aligns with what you see yourself maybe teaching. You can always create your own thing from there, but at least is in sort of the right space and also the right style of yoga, just like we talked about before. Someone who wants to teach more restorative yoga, an Ashtanga training, is not going to be the best fit for them. So ensuring the style of yoga also aligns and the teacher's kind of approach aligns with what you're interested in doing as a future teacher. So you said yogaalliance.org is the uh, is the place to kind of get started for that? Absolutely. Yogaalliance.org, you can search for teachers. So if you want to see who is a registered yoga teacher or E-R-Y-T in my area, you can search by your zip code. And then you can also look for schools that are recognized schools in your area too. So if you're looking to actually complete a yoga teacher training program. Cool. And then one last thing, Jessica, so I appreciate your time. Next couple years of fitness, what do you think the trends are going to be? I always, I really appreciate your, you, you, you have such a good kind of, you, you follow the trends, you're, you're so active in social media and you do, you, you do a lot of things. Kind of just, I'm, I'm always interested in your input, like what you think, where you think we're going the next few years in the fitness industry. Yeah, I'd say one of the biggest things, and you know this is an area that is a personal interest of mine and passion of mine, but I really do see this as being something that is going to continue to evolve, is really that focus on a more holistic approach to health and wellness. And I think health coaching is going to continue to be central to that conversation, focusing on how we really facilitate as wellness professionals, I'll keep it that broad, as yoga teachers, as personal trainers, as group fitness instructors, how do we facilitate meaningful behavioral change? whatever that means to the different individuals that we work with. Um, I think that's going to be central. I think that's also going to be the connecting piece to really integrate the health and wellness field with the broader medical community. And because, you know, I'm working on my doctorate right now in behavioral health, I'm, yeah. I'm learning a lot about the other side, the medical world, because I know this side of the fence, the health and fitness side very well. And there really is, we've been talking about bridging the gap for so long. We haven't really done the greatest but job do doing that. I mean, do you think that's possible? Do you think that in three to five years that doctors will be you know teaming up with with personal trainers or yoga instructors and saying to their to their patients 
hey, you need to lose weight or you need to start acting. I mean, is that really, do you think that's viable? I think it is viable. I think the biggest thing it will hinge on, and that's where I see the health coaching being really kind of that connecting piece, at least initially. It doesn't limit, you know, personal trainers doing work or yoga teachers doing work, but the medical community is using that profession, that title of health coach, and they're seeing that. They're doing research on it. They understand the importance of it, and I think what's central to really that connection ultimately happening between health and fitness community and the medical community is really the credential aspect of our field and so the conversation we're having right now of like setting standards for yoga teacher training programs and setting that bar pretty high doing the same thing for personal trainers and health coaches I think that's always been sort of one of the key missing pieces to make the medical community feel really comfortable saying yes I feel comfortable referring my patient to a personal trainer a yoga teacher or a health coach they just want to ensure that just like they know their area of the field and someone who's gone through a certain you know medical program has certain degrees they want to ensure that we have the level of knowledge and skills to ensure their patients stay safe and they get the best outcomes because now the medical world is shifting towards outcomes we need to produce outcomes it's not just fee for service anymore now it's like we actually have to produce results and that's where i think we can step up and we can really make that connection yeah and i really think that's where that's where we have the biggest thing so hey jessica i really appreciate your time do you have a do you have a website or anything if people want to follow uh, follow along what you do i do it is fitexpertjess.com and you can find me on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Fit Expert Jess. Well, thank you for your time, Jessica, and I look forward to seeing you around the way. Have thank, a great day. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of All About Fitness. If you want to continue to follow me online, it's Pete McCall, P E T E M C C A L L, fitness.com. Pete McCall, fitness.com is the home of my blog. On Twitter, you can follow me at Pete, P E T E. MC underscore fitness. That's Pete MC underscore fitness on Twitter. And on Instagram, it's Pete McCall underscore fitness. P E T E M C C A L L. Pete McCall underscore fitness for Instagram. If there are any topics you'd like covered or any guests that you'd like to hear from, please go to my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com, and send me an email. I want to make sure that this podcast is a productive resource for you and your fitness needs, so please feel free to contribute to your ideas.